Hello, Red Wine Reads fans. This is Ella, and I am here to introduce Jenna's episode with Sierra on John Krakauer's Into Thin Air, one of my favorite books of all time, and one which I have a feeling is not going to be Sierra's, but she is a very good sport for putting up with this. Sierra is our resident sort of fantasy romance, very unreality genre specialist, and I am the very reality-driven specialist, I would say. John Krakauer is all about those facts, and he is all about those real-life stories. I thought, though, that Sierra would like the heroism aspect of this book and the danger aspect of this book, and hopefully that it would put her into kind of a fantasy mindset or at least a somewhat unreality mindset just because it's so extreme but we shall see so hopefully sierra likes some of the book even if she doesn't i hope that you guys will enjoy this episode and you will hear from me very soon again when i introduce the books i chose for rebecca and abby so stay tuned for those and you will hear from me soon so hope everybody is doing beautifully and goodbye. Also, I didn't know we couldn't, we could DNF because I would have. I'm sorry. <laughs> I kept going. I stuck the audio on that, but I was this close to just being like, yeah, I didn't finish this, but I didn't know that was allowed. <laughs> you always have that option, but I appreciate you sticking it out. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Sierra Marshall, who will probably not be climbing Everest anytime soon. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving conversation, then welcome. We are so glad you're here. Whether you want to read one, none, or all of the books that we are reading this week, this month, this year, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions of these books and your own hot takes on our Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. That's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week we read Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. Well, Sierra, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Red Wine Reads. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am good. I am excited to talk about this book. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. We will. So I guess we're already into it. So this week we read Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. And a few quick facts before we get started. So this book was published in 1997 and it has received a 4.2 out of 5 on Goodreads. He published this in 1997 about the 1996 Everest disaster, which left quite a few people dead. <laughs> I want to say uh, it left 
12 and then like there was one more like the day after or something i feel like uh it was just too many people up at the summit and a storm rolled in and it did not end well and so he was on this climb for an article that he was going to write for outsider magazine about uh the tourism aspect of everest and then ended up being caught in this crazy situation uh and so another quick fact about this book is he published it within, I think, like nine months of him getting back. And there was another book that was published called The Climb by um, somebody else that was on the trip. And they like very much clashed and had very co- contradicting recollections of what had happened. And so uh, it was fascinating. I don't know if you had read the postscript afterward, but um, he just talks about what was the same, what was different, um, how the other author had only interviewed one other survivor of the thing while John Krakauer had interviewed quite a few people. And so it was fascinating, but I thought that was fun. And then um, John Krakauer, he is a famous journalist. He wrote for Outsider Magazine for quite a long time. He was very much into like wilderness, exploring, climbing, outdoor activities. He is most famous for writing the books Into the Wild and Under the Banner of Heaven. Under the Banner of Heaven uh, was a book that Ellen and I had read last year about the fundamentalist Mormons. So that was also a fun hang. And in 1999, he received an Academy Award in Literature from the American Academy of Arts and Letters. And there was a movie that was made called Everest that was loosely based on his book and also kind of took aspects of the other book that I had mentioned earlier. And he is known for absolutely hating that movie. (laughs) Kind of funny. We will get into that later. So before we get into our summary and everything else, what are we drinking? (laughs) I wish I was drinking something stronger. This is a sparkling soda with cherry and fresh lime. Ooh, that sounds good. I am drinking the Vibrissa beer, just a Hellas lager, um, but it's called Park Pass and it has a little tent and fire and canoe. Cute. So I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> Amazing. So let's hop into the summary. This is uh, just off of the back of the book, as per usual. John Krakauer's Into Thin Air is the true story of the 24-hour period on Everest when members of three separate expeditions were caught in a storm and faced a battle against hurricane-force winds, exposure, and the effects of altitude, which ended in the worst single-season death toll in the peak's history. In March 1996, Outside Magazine sent veteran journalist and seasoned climber John Krakauer on an expedition led by celebrated Everest guide Rob Hall. Despite the expertise of Hall and other leaders, by the end of the summit day, eight people were dead. Krakauer's book is at once the story of the ill-fated adventure and an analysis of the factors leading up to its tragic end. Written within months of the events, it chronicles into thin air, clearly evokes the majestic Everest landscape. As the journey up the mountain progresses, Krakauer puts into context by recalling the triumphs and perils of the other Everest trips throughout history. The author's own anguish over what happened on the mountain is palpable as he leads readers to ponder timeless questions. So there you have it. I am so interested to talk to Sierra about this because Ella was so lovely to choose this for her. So lovely. <laughs> I feel like, as I mentioned in previous episodes, this month, uh, June, July, and August um, are all 
books that everyone else has picked out for each other to read. And I feel like everyone was pretty nice, except for when they were picking for Sierra. <laughs> they were so mean to me. <laughs> yeah. I gave them options and they decide to give me this, or at least Ella did. Uh, and I cannot forgive her for it. Well, um, she also hated the book you chose for her. So I think it... Um, I'm, I'm happy. It balanced out, but... <laughs> This is so funny because this book is like my cup of tea. Something I am low-key obsessed with is like survival stories and especially like wilderness survival stories. I think it's maybe this fact of like, I never want to be caught in that situation, but I want to know what to do if I was ever caught in that situation. And so I love hearing like everybody else's stories about it. And I've always been a fan of documentaries, memoirs, all that type of thing. So this is definitely right up my alley. And John Krakauer's writing is phenomenal. I will say it's dense. Um, he is a very methodical writer and he likes, he's a journalist. So he's going to, he's going to write in a journalistic way, which is a lot of facts, a lot of background, a lot of kind of side tangents. It's like, if he mentions, you know, the Hillary step, he's going to go back and he's going to talk about the story about how the Hillary step came to be. So I can see how his writing and with you being such an <laughs> an avid hiker and outdoorsy person. Oh, yeah. I say that in a sarcastic tone. Not that Sierra is not, but this is like extreme sports. And I am not an extreme sports person either. I don't like backpacking. I, I rarely like camping. Um, I like to be in my own bed at all times. But like I said, guilty pleasure, this type of stuff. And so this book was like my cup of tea. Fucking loved it. But... I will say at times it was even dense for me, but I would love, uh, I would love your initial thoughts on this book after finishing it. <laughs> I felt like I was reading a textbook or an essay. And so I understand like the value of it. And I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that you would enjoy this. And I was like, just going to be so mad at me because I'm over here. I'm going to like slam this book because I thought it was the most boring thing I've ever read. To be fair, though, like I'm very much into fantasy. This is so not my genre. And so for me, it is literally like opening up a science book or a history book and just reading it, you know, when you would open your old history books and they would have real stories of people in history and like it's from their POV or that's how I felt. And I just was not, it was not my thing. And I really did not enjoy one second of this and I honestly wanted to fall asleep reading it. Okay. I, I will give the readers a little inside look where Sierra texted me when she finished the book that this is the most boring book I've ever had the displeasure of reading. And then I thought that was so funny. And I had sent it to Ella just to get her um, initial initial thoughts. <laughs> she She responded with LOL, all caps. She goes... One of the most acclaimed nonfiction works ever about a man literally almost dying on Mount Everest. I love that she hates it. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was so perfect. <laughs> because I, I get it. I, like I said, he is a dense writer. He writes like he is writing for a textbook. He writes every single detail, whether you want to know it or not. But I have to ask, when he is talking about these people going missing and this crazy storm and him hiding in his tent and these crazy winds 
almost blowing the tent off and finding Beck and his whole like hand has frozen off. None of that <laughs> got you. See, I think the problem the problem for me is for such a story that could be so very like plot driven, it's not. It is very much I don't know, it's just someone like really like explaining it. it to me it doesn't feel like there was this anticipation of what was happening. Like he told us at the beginning what had happened. And I know it's a historical event. And so some people would know this from like watching the news, but I was not born at this time. So I I have no clue. And I just think for such a story, I get he maybe didn't want to sensationalize it in a way that was kind of turning it into something less than what it is valued. So like, these are human lives. He wants to take this very seriously. I understand that. But it is such an incredible story, but also like could be a more incredible story with the way that he could have told the story. And that's what bothers me is that this is something tragic and also incredible that he made it out alive. And for all that that is worth, it was so unbelievably boring. And then I also had a ton of other issues with it, but it wasn't with the actual because I I know you like shouldn't necessarily critique because this is actually someone's life. And these are conversations that were had, but there are parts of like these people and like the decisions they made. And even like from before they go up on the mountain that I just absolutely question. And it makes me think, well, that's, that's a guy for you. You know, these are we are talking about the majority male people who are going up on this mountain. And I think I just there's a lot of problems I had with it. Sarah just hates stupid men. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Well, insensitive men. Yeah. And and I think the problem for me was sorry, in this story, you have two guys who like don't take into account that before they go up on the mountain, this is an extremely big deal and people die all the time on this and you see one person who dies and his wife is left alone with their unborn child. And then him, who before he went on the mountain, literally told his wife, don't be so melodramatic. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is actually life or death. People die up there all the time. How can you just say that to your wife? And then it's a little bit of a karma thing. Again, these are real people's lives. And like, this is a real situation. And I'm sure he has a lot of survivor's guilt, as he said at the end of the book. But I'm like, you can't just say stuff like that and then expect everything to go right as rain. I mean, I understand optimism, but yeah, that's a lot. I did. I honestly, I agree with the his wife situation. I felt like I was watching the free solo documentary where he <laughs> where he's like, yeah, like, I'm just going to go climb this thing. Like, see ya. And she was like, ah, okay. And like, he's like, oh, I'm just going to go climb Everest. Like, it'll be fine. This is my passion and you need to support my passion. And she's like, yes, but that passion is something that'll get you killed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm with your wife on this one. Like, if you want to satisfy your climbing fix, join a climbing gym. I mean, that's easy for me to say as not a climber. Right. So... Here I am. But I I was interested in his view of Rob Hall. Mm-hmm. Like, because I could see how 
John was so confident going up because he was like, I'm going up with Rob Hall, who's like the most acclaimed guide on Everest. And he's gotten plenty of people to the summit and plenty of people up and down. And I, you kind of hear at the very end of like, yes, he did that, but he had perfect conditions every time he did this. Right. And I just thought listening to like what decisions he had made that kind of led to this and how there was this competition between him and the other guide. And then whether or not the pressure of having John Krakauer there writing a story had anything to do with them trying to kind of one up each other. It's like, well, if he's going to be writing about this, I don't want to be the person who has nobody hit reach the summit because we saw a few clouds. And right. I thought that was, I mean, for John Krakauer actually writing it, he kind of like drove past it. And I was like, oh, that would, that would be rough to live with <laughs> being like, was I the one that was one of the catalysts for this? <laughs> My fault. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just reading this, you see how much ego gets in the way of survival. I didn't like, I just feel like it's so different because I mean, they talk about how like on the mountain, like I can't blame anyone for what happens once they're up there. But like all of these conditions beforehand, I think it was so much ego in the way. And I think he does a really good job at explaining that, but it does, it makes me like them a lot less. And which, since I know these are real people and this is a real situation, it makes me like the book a lot less because I just can't imagine having that type of mindset where I'm like, I have to be better than this person. And I'm just like, not that person anyway, but to think that all these egos got in the way and even when they were starting to go up or before they had decided to go up, like all these different things, it's just like it keeps getting in the way. And if they could just see past that, they would have seen how dangerous this was. They could have understood. They could have, I mean, at the very least, said their goodbyes before their goodbyes had to be like thrust upon them or some people didn't get them at all. I just think there's a lot of pointless, not pointless, but not, I'm trying to think of the word. It's not pointless, but it's like nonsensical death because of people's own selves getting in the way. Yeah. 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 I think there is an aspect. I think that if I were in the same situation, this is me saying this without, you know, my, my biggest hike was a 14er in Colorado and like, and that was a day and like, I wouldn't know if I had the, you know, lack of oxygen coming to my brain and how that would affect me. Right. But I think like if I had made it that far and especially the people that had made it that far multiple times and not quite made it to the summit, you're going to want to be like, I can push two hours. It'll be fine. I'm supposed to turn around at two. Well, I'll turn around at five. I'll be fine. Right. Yeah. You've got to imagine that that would impair you. and so. If you have, you know, 20 plus people doing that, that's insane. But that's where you have to have the guides be like, "Mm -mm, sorry, sorry, my guy, we're turning around. Yeah. And having like the Russian turn back and like go ahead of all the rest of his people and having Rob Hall just waiting at the top for his one guy and having Scott Fisher kind of not being able to turn his team around at all either. It just was so stressful when they're all trying to make it down and they have to wait for each other and like in a bottleneck and they're all trying to like come up while other people are trying to come down. And you're just like, this is taking way too long. Yeah. And you think if it's perfect conditions, 
it doesn't matter if you're hiking in the dark because like it's going to be fine. Right. And so you've got to have all those things running through your head. Like it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like they wouldn't have us up here if it's not going to be fine. And then to have it just like crumble in front of you like that. Mm -hmm. I just think that part of the story was the most intriguing in the fact of seeing how everyone reacted so differently to it. And having that commentary underneath of like, we have this famous athlete or whatever, and she's getting short robed up the hill, which I find, kind of find funny that like she was kind of trying to come in and be like, mm, it was like an hour. Like I was just doing it to be nice. I don't know about that. <laughs> Everybody else is saying it was five hours. I, I don't know. I just think it was such an interesting commentary to be like, who is hiking this? And to have the supplemental oxygen and kind of have that be a point of, well, anyone can hike Everest with like supplemental oxygen and a guide and a crew of people carrying their things for them and who has $65,000 just in their pocket. Well, and that's another thing. That part of the story kind of fascinated me because I didn't realize that you have, and that's $65,000 in 1996. So imagine how much it is today. Yeah. People were just bored is what it sounds like to me. Bored rich people. And like, I mean, that's a commentary all its own. Like I think these extreme types of sports typically are those types of people who have like a lot of money to spend because extreme sports aren't cheap. Yeah. But it's more than that. And I think that is the one interesting aspect of the book is that there's so many different personalities, so many different people. And it is interesting to see how they all in a way dealt with that different stress. But I can't justify that being the only thing that I liked of the book where everything else to me, like going away from the story, because this is a real story. These are real people. This really happened. And like, it's a tragic situation going away from that. For me, the writing was too dull. I didn't like the way he told the story. I understood what he was doing because he is a journalist. He's trying to only more or less state facts other than what is his own personal opinion and his own personal story. He was just trying to gather facts. But I would have loved to like have dived a little deeper into these people. And for you, I feel like maybe there was a lot of plot. But for me, I'm used to like these extravagant plots where things are playing out. That's obviously not how real life works. But when I read, I'm not trying to dive into real life situations. I am typically trying to escape. Reading is my escape. It's my comfort. It's something I do when I want to feel better or I just want to like just disassociate from the stress of the world or just enjoy my time. And I don't think this is a for me, it's not an enjoyable book. It's not an enjoyable genre and it never has been. And that's why I typically steer clear of it. I think I've read a couple of more or less like nonfiction books that are kind of similar to the story in some ways that I've liked a little bit more, but on a whole, like it's just not my cup of tea and I don't think it ever will be. Yeah. And like, that's totally fine. And I think like, this is kind of the fun thing about these next three months of like reading other people's picks is everyone's not going to like every book that's chosen for them. There might be some happy surprises, but I think it's interesting to get someone like out of their comfort zone and then to be like, 
yeah, I was right. I don't like this. I don't, I don't like this at all. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's totally fine because there are genres that I have trouble with and there are types of books that I have trouble with. And it's purely just kind of like how, how like you said, how you view reading and how you want to spend your time in this activity. And I have talked to many people about like this book or about different like memoirs or different things like that. And people are like, ah, I can't do memoirs. Like I, like you said, I read to escape. I don't need that shock of reality in my life or like even contemporary fiction. And for me, I think with a journalistic background and kind of like, you know, going through college, reading these types of stories and really diving deep into like documentaries and diving deep into this into these long form articles like the one he wrote for outside this may be a controversial opinion and i'd be interested to put this out on social media but i think that reading different genres and being able to enjoy different genres can be trained like i don't think it's inherent I think if you find a good enough book in a genre or one that will kind of tap into your interests, like, again, you probably won't be hiking Everest here soon. I won't either. But again, I have a weird thing about survival stories. I don't know what it is. Maybe growing up in Colorado. So this this one hit. But like if we got a memoir about something that was driving your interest about something, I think, you know, that would hit. But I think if you read enough of a genre that you are uncomfortable with. I think you kind of learn, you learn how to read it. Cause like for me, fantasy was not enjoyable to read before I started this podcast. <laughs> and it, it's just like training your brain to kind of pick it up. So of course this book is going to be boring if all you've been reading is these like fantastical worlds and these beautiful romance stories. Right. Like I totally understand that. And so Again, I would love to see what everyone else thinks, but I think if you start reading enough of a genre, you kind of start to pick up an affinity for it. Well, I definitely agree because like, I mean, I have read memoirs from other people, which I found like very interesting. I typically don't relate with outdoorsy or I typically like find women's stories more interesting not to say that all men's stories are interesting but as a woman like experience very similar things to them when it comes to life and society and and where I fit in in society and it's very similar stories to them even like women who have passed biographies or even if they were older memoirs I can see that I can see how that has affected even us today and I just didn't find this one at all interesting. And I have never been more <laughs> angry at someone who has gone through so much. And, and I am sympathetic to that. And, and I do understand this is a tragedy. And I, I appreciate the fact that he's writing about it. For those who are interested, I am not interested. And I, I'm very saddened. And that is what like really ticks me off more than anything is that it's just a tragic story. And like, I think there are so many tragic stories in the world and I'm kind of sick of hearing them. And so that's another like driving factor as to why I don't like this book. And like, I'm not saying like everything's happy and sunshine and rainbows or whatever, but I do like a happier story versus something that is tragic and death driven. And as interesting as some of it may have been, it's not ever going to tantalize my taste buds. <laughs> yeah. And I think like reading too, 
a book will hit different at different points in your life. I know with his other book, Under the Banner of Heaven, any other year, I probably would have been able to read that all the way through. But for the true listeners out there who've been with us from the beginning, you'll know that I did not uh, finish that book. And I had been consuming a lot of content about the Mormon church and about just like the abuse that the women had gone through. And I was just like, I think I'm tapped out. I think this is like a little bit too much for me right now. And so I DNF'd it. But it's one of those that I'll probably come back to and I'll probably want to read it because I am interested in diving deep into the full story. But I just like at this point in my life, don't want to dive deep into that type of pain right now. Again, uh, another year, maybe it would have been totally fine. So I can totally, you know, empathize with you being like, I don't want a tragic story right now. I want <laughs> a world that's completely separate from the shit show we are living in. Yeah. I absolutely can empathize with that. Also, I didn't know we couldn't, we could DNF because I would have. I'm sorry. <laughs> I kept going. I stuck the audio on that, but I was this close to just being like, yeah, I didn't finish this, but I didn't know that was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> you always have that option, but I appreciate you sticking it out. Well, I have one more point that I would love to get. I would love to hear your thoughts on too before we get to our final ratings. But there, the part that I found extremely interesting was he, you know, toward the end is writing about how he wrote this outside article and it was pretty short after, shortly after the incident. And, and like, I can see why editors were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, take some time. You just were in like one of the craziest disasters of human history on Everest. But also, he gets that letter from or one of the deceased sisters and she writes to him and being like, this article is bullshit. You are putting feelings and you are putting these experiences into people's mouths that are now dead and you just hid in your tent and you didn't do anything. And there was part of me that was like, well, fuck, yeah, I wouldn't. I would have stayed in my tent, too. There's a lot of extreme conditions and I think like John Cracker kind of owns up to it. And he's like, yeah, I guess if like you want to call that being a coward, I was a coward. And I think in a, you know, in the era of movies, in the era of TV and of the hero's journey, you want to be like, I would have taken action and I would have gone out there and looked for people and tried to save people. But you've got to imagine that that is absolutely terrifying. And I do think that at least from the recollection I read it didn't feel like he was putting any emotion or motive behind people. Like it was very genuinely like a journalist writing where he just wrote what everyone was telling him. And it was very much this person said that they saw this person doing this. And this is how I felt when I was talking to this person. But I can't imagine writing a story where people are dead and you're having to like recount the last days of their life. Right. And you've only known them for a few weeks. Yeah. I'm going to say like one, I don't think self-preservation is cowardice, especially in a life or death situation. You do have that self-preservation and it is animalistic instinct that kicks in. Like it is fight or flight. And on a whole, unless you've somewhat been trained to fight against that fight or flight situation, you're going to do whatever you believe is more self-preserving. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
you're just trying to get down the mountain. Sometimes you have to leave people behind. Sometimes you can't go out of your tent. And I don't think there's any anything at all wrong with that because these are extreme situations. Of course, everyone wants to be like, well, I would help them. But when it comes down to it, it is so deep within your consciousness. It's not you. It is animalistic drive. It is something that is uncontrollable, really, unless very specifically trained to fight against that. So first of all, I think it was so very mean hearted. And, and I'm sure that person came out of a place of grief. And so it's not really fair to say that they were, it was mean of them, I guess, either. Because I mean, they're grieving. So of course, they're going to be upset and find someone to blame. Yeah. But I, throughout the story, I felt it was very cut and dry. I felt the only time he put feeling or emotion into what he was saying was when it came to his own personal feelings, thoughts, and emotions. Everything else to me, like I said, it read like a textbook. So it was very factual. And that's why I was so bored of it. I didn't feel like, and of course, I didn't read like the very first article he wrote. This is his book, of course. But I never felt like throughout this book, he was putting a spin on what other people were feeling. Unless these were people that he interviewed and specifically talked to. And they had said something about how they were feeling about the situation. But on a whole, like, I really think he did a good job of staying a very unbiased person as much as he could for someone who has gone through such a tragic situation and had spoken to these people and had made somewhat connections. I mean, on this very short time that they were together. And I think going through something like that, you create deeper bonds when you know it's life and death. So I think he was a very unbiased writer. Yeah, I would agree. Awesome. Well, let's get into our final ratings here. I would give this book, I would say I'm right along the lines of the the Goodreads rating. So I'd say 4.2, 4 to 4.2, because agreed, it is dry. I'll be the first to say it is dry. It's dense. It's well-researched. And that's kind of what I love about, I guess, like I know going into a John Krakauer book, this is going to be, it's going to be well-researched. It's going to be a little less plot driven, so to say. And it's going to be much more about the context of things and how X led to Z and how that, you know, and how Y fit into the whole equation. And he's very much that type of writer. And so I think like knowing that, it, I think it helped <laughs> reading this book. And again, this is my sweet spot. Survival stories. I don't know what the heck it is, but I freaking love them. And I love putting myself in situations that I know I'll never be in. And I get to experience them through the people's eyes. Not that this is a fun hang, but I think it was a fascinating experience that there was a journalist on the mountain there and was able to kind of recount his experience. I think that that's just wild. I just think it was a well-written book, a well-researched book, and it's right in my sweet spot. So I'll give it a 4.2. I love that for you. Uh, (laughs) I will give it a two out of five because I don't think it's right to say Obviously, this is just not my genre. This is not my style. This is boring as anything. (laughs) But I have to obviously you have to give him props. He's in he's a wonderful writer. It's it's okay to write a memoir low. It's fine. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, it's like I can appreciate his story. 
I can appreciate the perspective. So I can't fully give it the one because to me, a one is a zero because I don't really count zeros on this. So I'm giving it a two because I don't want to give it a one because it wasn't the worst book that I've, I mean, it was the most boring book I've ever read, but it wasn't the worst book I've ever read. And I appreciate his style and his journey and his experience. And I think that's an important thing to say. There is a place for this book. It's just not with me. There it is. I love it. Well, now to the part of the show that I am most excited for with you is pairings. I'm ready. Great. Lately, we've been doing a little bounce back and forth. We'll go along with that order because it's been fun. All right. Start us off. What do you have for a drink? Cocktail. I have a snowplow because I think it's fitting. It's like a boozy hot chocolate. So it's got like Bailey's, whipped cream, cocoa powder. I want to say you can also add rum or vodka, whatever your choice. Some people put whipped cream vodka in it. Up to you. That's a great option. Uh, We make our own version of a snowplow, but it's with peanut butter whiskey and it's delicious. Oh. It's really good. (laughs) The drink that I chose was a white Russian, mostly because of the color. And it looks just like a little glass of milk with booze in it. (laughs) So there's that. TV show. Go. TV show. I have Bear Grylls. Great. Survivalist. Could also do, I guess, Naked and Afraid. But I'm going with Bear Grylls because he will teach you how not to get in these situations. (laughs) Yes, he will. That's a great option. My TV show was I Survived. I think this is like my intro. I have watched that. This is my like intro into this type of genre. And I think this is what hooked me. I used to watch that all the time, actually, which is funny. I like the TV version. Yes. Of this book. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. the There was an episode where there was a kid who put a sock on and got bit by a Black Widow and they were from our hometown in Steamboat. So I was like, oh my God. I watched one about someone who got stranded in the ocean. Yes. And that one was traumatizing for me. And this person like went crazy. I remember that one. Oh God. And it got all pruney and like. Yes. (laughs) That was wild. And he started speaking in tongues and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. What? Oh my God. What a good, what a good show. All right. Book. (laughs) Book. I have Little Prince. Um, let me see what who the author is. It's Connor German. Is it Jer- or Jernan? G-E-R-N-N-A-N. Connor Jernan. I think that's how you say it. It is about a man who goes to Nepal and kind of sees the situation that is going on in Nepal. And I thought it was also fitting because it also takes place in Nepal. He takes a trip to Nepal to kind of help out. And he's kind of like... He's not forced to do it, I don't think, but he's kind of like rolling his eyes about going. And then he ends up finding out about like how these children are trafficked and he wants to like help resolve the problems in Nepal and how a lot of them are, their families are being told that they're going to go to like better places or like America or something. And they end up being like child slaves. And then he goes on and starts orphanages and like helps rectify I mean somewhat rectify the situation because you know horrible people are gonna be horrible yeah it kind of sounds like the tea book anyways (laughs) okay uh my book 
playing off of the ocean survival trope uh, is in harm's way. And this is about the USS Indianapolis that uh, got hit by a submarine, I think, in World War World War II. Uh, Doug Stanton. And they, you know, sink. And there are a bunch of these people just stranded in the ocean. And it's absolutely batshit crazy because they, like, get eaten by sharks and they are like in the middle of a war zone and it's just absolutely crazy i'm sorry they was hit by a japanese torpedo not a submarine but okay that's what i thought i had to read in harm's way for a journalism class and it ended up being one of my favorite again i think it's just like it's just adding to the survivalist story right great movie let's hear it I have 127 hours. Oh, that's a good one. And I did like that one too. Except I didn't like the whole part where you cut off his arm. Yeah. It was gross. And also the urine drinking. I just like couldn't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. we. I was talking with a gal at my work about this book. And then she brought up 127 hours. And I brought up this story of this person who got attacked by a grizzly bear three times because he was in between the grizz the mama and the baby and so each time the mom would try to go he would get attacked i think after the first attack he's like up on this ledge and i'm like i think after the first attack i would just like tumble down the ledge i'd be like i'm sorry i'm done i'm like i'm in your way see ya yeah yeah hang off the edge hope to god that you can pull yourself back up yeah. And this guy's like, yeah, I like grabbed my sweatshirt and like attached my jaw back up. I had no knee left and my eye was eaten. And I was like, no. Anyways. I mean, good for him that he survived and like he couldn't be me. If I had sustained that many injuries, I'd just be like, just too much pain. I'm sure the adrenaline kicked in, but eventually too much pain. <sighs> my movie is... I had referenced it before, Everest. And this one is loosely based off of Into Thin Air. It's also kind of based off of the other book that had came out, The Climb. So if you want like semi-accurate <laughs> dramatization of what happened, then this is like a good option. Uh, they did make Into Thin Air a movie. I haven't heard anything. So um, I can't imagine it's good. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It was made in 1997. Literally a year after it happened, they got the book and then they like immediately, let's make a movie. Wow. No, like that's a little too soon. Yeah, I feel like they bought the rights to the article. So anyways, there you go. And then I have one extra. I never like to recommend you go to other podcasts because we are the only one and only podcast that you want to listen to. But (laughs) there's a podcast called out alive uh, by backpacker magazine which is a kind of i think it's like a sect off of outsider but it talks about survival stories and it's fabulous and they do a great job and they do like these survival shorts which are like 10 minutes long if you kind of just want a little something but they're fabulous so if you want more of this type of content then i would go with them because they are kind of the best in the biz of doing what they do and that's it that's the show Thank you, Sierra, for bearing with us and doing it and reading a book outside of your comfort zone. I really... Ella, you're my enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sierra, cheers. Thank you again. Here's to another episode.
Cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. Thanks all.